0: Well, good morning, everyone, again. Great to see you all. And um, we are... (laughs) Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Amen. Today's our day, yeah. (laughs) I said that, um, you know, my son has been begging me to go and swim. He wants to go swimming at the pool. So we're going to go swimming this afternoon. That's going to be our Father's Day thing. And uh, he woke up this morning and said to me, Do we have to go to church today? And normally he wants to come to church, but today he was like, now I want to go to the pool, you know. So we'll take him to the pool a bit later on. But all the dads out there, we honor you, and and it's an incredible responsibility and an incredible privilege to be a father. My father is here. Dad, happy Father's Day. And uh, I really do have the most amazing father, and just an incredible example. I respect you, Dad, so much. And I honor you. You're a great dad. Thank you. Amen. All right. We're going to dive right in this morning. You thought Father's Day we'd skip the book of Revelation, but that's not going to (laughs) happen. In fact, on this Father's Day, we will talk about judgment. (laughs) So dads, you better behave. (laughs) We are... Right at the end, we have two parts left today and next week, next week being the highlight of the entire series. Whatever you do, don't miss next week. Today, we're going to be discussing the final part of judgment, which really is the seven bowl judgments. We've already discussed the seven seal judgments, trumpet jump judgments, and the bowl judgments now we're about to dive into. Last week, we had a look at the story of what's going to take place with Israel as we looked at the woman in the wilderness, and we saw how God would preserve her during the se- season. And very interesting. This morning, we're going to be looking at another very interesting character. What I want you to understand, and this is really important, is that these personalities, for example, the dragon, the beast, the woman, the harlot, these personalities are not individuals, but represent Something. For example, the woman in the wilderness represented Israel. The beast is the Antichrist. But when the Antichrist comes on the scene, he's not going to literally be a beast that's all ugly and smelly and have all these horns. He will literally be an individual, for example. And for example, in the case of the woman in the wilderness, we talk about Israel. But they symbolize things, and that's how we know who they are. And what they like. For example, the beast has a nature like a beast, a character like a beast, and he will operate as an evil beast. Does that make sense? So the only way that that the, the, the writer could do this was to explain what he sees when he looks at these individuals to be able to explain to us, you know, who they are and what they represent. Once again, this morning, we'll be talking about a personality in Scripture that represents something That's very important for us to understand. When diving into the book of Revelation, especially these chapters that we've dived into over the last few weeks, there's so much information, and there's a lot of interpretation that can be given. We would be here a really long time if we had to dive into every part. I've done my best to go through this word for word with you, but I can't explain absolutely everything. In certain things, there's a lot of differences of opinion, What's really important is that you walk away understanding what everything is and the the sequence of events that will play out at the end of the age. And the reason why we need to know this is because there's a blessing. How many of you know this is the only book in the Bible that actually tells us that there is a blessing for those who read and understand it? I wanna say one thing before I get into this this morning. This is important. That's why I chose not to just summarize in, in, in you know, tell you that this is this, this is this, this is this, and do it over three weeks, because I want you to see it all, and once we're done with it, you'll say, okay, I, I know what's going to happen, and with that knowledge, there's a blessing that will come to you, because it's going to change you, it's changing me, amen. I know what the Lord has done, I know what He's busy doing, and I know what He's going to do. To understand every little detail is not most important here. There's certain things in prophetic timelines that we will not fully be able to interpret because there's so many differences of opinion. But what we do want to walk away with is an understanding of what is coming. Is that okay? So let's dive right into it. Last week, we finished off where the last trumpet was blown and it's a release now of of, of the seven bold judgments, which are the most intense. I'm going to start going through it. I'm, I'm, I'm really just going to go through it fairly quickly, this part. Just hang in there, okay? Today we end on a high, and I'm excited about that. So let's get right to it. Revelation 16, verse number 1. So the last set of judgments are about to be unleashed on the earth, and we're going to get a glimpse of what it looks like. Revelation 16, 1, then, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying, to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So there's seven angels, seven bowls, and each bowl represents a form of judgment. Verse two tells us simply or or clearly, the first went, so the first bowl judgment's about to be poured out. The first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and and loathsome Saw came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Let's stop there. This is terrible. There's going to be this loathsome uh, saw and sores that are going to come upon the people on the earth. One thing that encourages me about this is it separates the peoples on the earth. It clearly tells us that these that are about to be judged in this way are those that have accepted the mark of the beast and are those that worship his image. So in other words, if there are believers on the earth, we know there will be, whether it's those that, that got saved during the tribulation period or even the Christians that went through it. As I've explained, I'm not going to go into that this morning. The fact is this is coming upon those who took the mark. Now, I did speak about the mark last week. I want to say one quick thing about that. The Bible clearly tells us that the mark of the beast, once you get the mark you'll be able to buy and sell goods you'll be able to continue to really live as we kind of know it don't think that it's necessarily a tattoo in 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 europe right now in nations like sweden there are businesses that implant a small microchip into your hand and i've literally seen this with my own eyes and they go and they pay for things with the microchip it has their identity and everything on it they get charged that way the technology is already out there for something like this. We've also seen with vaccines and all kinds of different things that's happening on the planet, no question, the reality of this is becoming alarmingly increasing as we go on. So that's going to take place. Now, I've said that because I want you to understand that this judgment really, even though there will be believers on the earth, it's taking place on those that are unrighteous. And it is going to be intense. So let's get right into it. Verse number three. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. So the second bowl is a bowl that gets poured out, and every creature dies in the ocean. I would imagine that that's why it's full of blood. Not a third, not a portion like earlier judgments, but here we're talking about every creature in the ocean will be dead. Verse number four, then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. So I'm imagining that it's literally what you saw in the second bowl is taking place in the third bowl, except now it's not the ocean, it's rivers and and springs of water. So any form of of water, everything's dying, and it's becoming filled with blood. Pretty, Pretty bad. Verse number five, and I heard the angel... Of the waters, saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is, and who was, and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For you have shed the blood, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true. And righteous are your judgments. And you must understand that I know this looks very harsh, and it absolutely is very harsh, but God's judgments are righteous and true. And the darkness on the earth in this time is very dark. Remember, five years ago, would you imagine we would be where we are today? The acceleration of evil is accelerating at a higher pace constantly every single day. And where we are today, I don't believe what we will see in 10 years from now will be anything like it is today. I think it will be far worse because it's just an increasing evil that is taking place. Just to encourage you a little bit, when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot comprehend it. The church will shine a bright light in this time. Before all of this takes place on the earth, I believe the church will have its finest hour. I believe God will pour out His Spirit. There will be a casting of nets for, for, for the nations to see people come to the Lord, the likes of which we've never seen. Okay? So just keep that in mind. Amen. All right. Let's go. Verse number 8. Then the fourth angel... Poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And and, And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues. Because of the pain, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. So now we see we're about to go to the sixth in verse 12. The sixth angel, these really speak for themselves. I'm not going to explain them. Verse 12, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. Now listen to this. And its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. What you must understand is as these bowls are playing out, this is all leading towards the return of the Lord. He's going to come back, and he's going to have a final battle, of the battle of Armageddon, which will take place. Everything is being prepared for that moment. Judgment is busy being poured out. And now what's happening is in the sixth bowl, it actually says that the river Euphrates will be fully dried up. Just so you know, go and Google River Euphrates 2022 and you will find out that there's not much water there right now. It's almost dry. It's busy being dried up right now. Now there are portions of it where there is still water, but there are portions of it that are fully dried up. It's never been like this before. So you can go and research that for yourself. We are definitely heading closer and closer. And obviously where it will fully dry up will be at the end but most certainly we are heading in that direction. It says that the armies of the east will come from that area. So there are nations from, from, the, from the east that will travel down that route to get to the battle of Armageddon where, where, where the, the Lord will take on the armies of the world. Can you believe that? All right. Verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like Frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. The dragon is Satan. Out of the mouth of the beast, that is the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, that speaks for itself. For they are spirits of demons. What are these frogs? The Bible tells us they're demonic spirits. They are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And then the Lord speaks, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. And they gathered together in the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. So now it set you up and showed us, it set us up and showed us everything that's taken place in these judgments has all led to this battle of Armageddon. The nations of the world have come together to battle against God. That's what's busy taking place. And it's happening at Armageddon, on Armageddon. It's not something that Hollywood created. The Jezreel Valley, if you stand, if you stand on Mount Carmel and you look down, you can see the Jezreel Valley. It's massive. And that's the place where they say the Battle of Armageddon will take place. It is massive, massive. It's a vast landscape. You can see it for miles as you stand on Mount Carmel. And that's the place where Armageddon will take place, where the Lord and his armies will face off against the evil armies of the earth that are left at this time. Verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. And there were noises, thunderings, and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such as a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. And the great city was divided in three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of His wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from the From the from heaven fell upon uh, upon men, each hailstorm about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. And so we've seen these judgments now. The seventh that was poured out. We see all seven judgments and what's taken place. Now the angel wants to explain a little bit more about what's taking place. To John, And he's about to call, one of these angels are about to call him over to explain what's taking place from a spiritual perspective on the earth. Take a look now. Revelation 17. Are you guys okay? <laughs> okay. Verse number one. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, or one of those angels, came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great Harlot who sits on many waters. Who is the great harlot? The great harlot is a woman, which is represent, which represents a religious system or false church. That's what the harlot is. That's who the harlot is. And she's sitting on many waters that represents people. We know this because the angel will actually tell us this a little bit later on. He's going to interpret. The, he's going to interpret the vision to him a little bit later on. So this harlot is not a person, it's not a place, this harlot represents a system, a religious system, a false religion that will rise up in this last hour. Verse number two, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, the rulers of the earth will commit fornication with her, which means that they will participate in all her evil, worshipping, false religion, worshipping a false god. A false image that is created. So the kings of the earth, the rulers of the earth, the one world system of, that, of the earth at this time will participate with her in this false worship. And you'll understand why as we go on. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So she persuaded, she persuaded them with false religion, with, with all kinds of evil, and they basically went into immorality. You know, immorality against God. We only serve one God. Israel committed immorality against God where they served other gods, false religion. That's what this all represents. So she was unfaithful to God. Verse number three. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. So once again, we see now that She is sitting on a beast. The beast has ten horns, uh, has seven heads and ten horns. This represents her influence over the one world system, over the one world government. She has influence over them. Are you all with me? Now, we know that this represents religion because of this next verse, verse 4. The woman was arrayed with purple scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones, and pearls having on her hand a golden cup full of abominations of the filthiness of her fornication. Those particular items, purple and scarlet, gold and precious stones and pearls represent some form of purity or religion. That's what it's trying to represent. But actually, it tells us clearly that she has a golden cup that's full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So people will be serving God, a false God, They will be coming into immorality against God, and they will fornicate with this false religion. They will participate in it. Are you you understanding what I'm saying? All right. I could go on and on and on, but we're not going to do that because you'll all be like spinning. (laughs) Now, verse number five. And on her forehead was the name, a name was written, Mystery. Mystery. Babylon the Great and the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Babylon represents false religion. So we know that she represents false religion and everything that took place in Babylon, all the evils that took place in Babylon. We could get into to the story of, of um, Nimrod and his mom and, and the child and all that. But we're not gonna do that. But this is what it represents. This whole system, false religion coming down verse number six. Now, this is where it gets fairly interesting. I saw a woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Now, many people have speculated many things here. What we know for sure is that she's basically, it represents the blood of martyrs. So she's drunk with the blood of masters, be, martyrs because many have been killed by her, by this religion that are true worshipers of God. And we know through the tribulation period that there will be martyrs, those that will be killed, and that's because this false religion will be the one-world government, one-world religion at that time, and everything that stands against that will be executed and killed. Some tie this and link this to early Rome and the, original, the early Catholic Church, where many Christians were martyred and killed, many were killed, so they link it together and try and say that, that it's a, a resurgence of, the, of, that, of that again taking place. I don't think we should go there. We don't know. Is that okay? There are a lot of people that are very dogmatic about this. They're very strong in, in their belief of exactly what nations are represented and stuff. Listen, the Bible says don't add to it. I don't want to add stuff that I'm not positive about. Is that okay? There are certain things in this that I know for sure. For example, I can tell you now that the Pope is not the Antichrist. Some of you thought he was. He's not. Sorry to disappoint you, okay? He's definitely not because you must understand that the beast is ridden by this false religion. So it's not, it's not, it's not the Antichrist. Are you with me? All right, now let's continue. Verse number seven, "'But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? "'I will tell you the mystery of the woman "'and of the beast that carries her, "'which has the seven heads and ten horns,' representing the system, the world system. "'The beast that you saw was and is not "'and will ascend out of the bottomless pit "'and go to perdition, "'and those who dwell on the earth will marvel, "'whose names are not written in the book of life "'from the foundation of the world.'" When they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, again, the the way this is written sort of suggests that when the beast, when the Antichrist is wounded and he basically, some suggest, dies or has some form of supernatural miracle, that everyone will marvel. And because of that, that's why many will follow this and believe that this is true religion or the truth. Does that make sense? Verse number 9, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Verse 10, there are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. Verse 12 The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they shall receive they, they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are the one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Can you say amen? Amen. So you can see, (laughs) amen, that this whole system, including this false religion, will all try to come up against the Lord Jesus Christ, but it won't, won't work out very good for them. There is something interesting, though, that's about to take place. Watch this. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw, the waters which the harlot sits on, These are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. You see, there's the self-interpretation. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. Let's stop there. A minute ago, it's saying that she's influencing them. The next minute, it says that they hate her. Why? Because we believe at the midpoint of the tribulation, what will happen is... They will basically turn on her to kill her because they want to. because what, what will end up happening, and the Bible is going to tell us this clearly in a moment, is that they want worship directly to go to Satan. So instead of religion being the, the cover, it will become plain, and the Antichrist and Satan will be worshipped. Can you believe this? And this is what's going to happen. So they will turn on her, and this false religion will be destroyed, and basically we will have straight worship of the Antichrist, because he's now like a god, like, like a false Christ. Are you with me? So it says in verse number 17, watch this now, for God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. So God is the one who puts in their hearts to kill her. God has done this in the past before with kings and rulers that are not of his own. And to give their kingdoms to the beast until the word of God is fulfilled. Because now it's basically going to become a straight battle between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. And there will be nothing in between anymore. It will be clear and the divide will be obvious and plain for all to see. That at that moment, there's no more cover, there's no more screen, there's no more pretense. It will be the kingdom of Satan, the false prophet, the beast, and the false prophet and the antichrist, and it will be the kingdom of God on the other side. It will be plain to see God causes these kings, these rulers of the earth, to kill her so that all can see that this is the truth. There's a straight divide between God and Satan. Verse 18, and the woman who you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Most scholars agree, most agree that this refers to Babylon. Now, verse 18, there's a bit of a shift because what happens is we're talking specifically in 17 about a system, a religious system or false religion. In verse in chapter 18, we begin to speak about what is either An economic system affected, again, by the same thing, Babylon, which is an economic system. Or it could actually physically be a place, a place, a city, a place on the earth. It's one of the two at this point. But in 17, we're talking primarily about a religious system. And now in 18, it shifts to an actual place that's going to get destroyed. Are you with me? All right. Are you guys okay? Okay. Don't worry, it's going to get easier from, from now. Well, somewhere now. Verse number one. And these things I saw, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich, through the abundance of her luxury, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, "Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues. For her sins have reached the heavens, and God has remembered her iniquities, rendered to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works, in the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Now, look at who gets affected by this judgment coming on the earth. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her, for they will see the smoke of her burning. That's why they speak of this place as a place. Some people believe it could be New York City. Some people could believe it could be some city in the east. Some people could believe it could be a place in, in Europe that actually physically will burn down and affect trade throughout the entire planet. Verse number 10 standing in a distance for fear of her torment saying, Alas, alas, the great city of Babylon that might cry, for in one hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, and every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and incense, and fragrant oil, and frankincense, wine, and oil, fine flour, and wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, and chariots, and the bodies of the souls of men—the fruit of your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendour have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. I really believe that there's a there's a, there's a, such an intense inscription or description of all the different types of trade that will be affected. In other words, everything will completely collapse. Everything will be utterly destroyed. Verse number 15, the merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and say, alas, alas, that great city, That was clothed in fine linen, purple, and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches has come to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who traveled by ship, sailors, and many trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? So everything's come to nothing. Nothing. The false religion, the, the, the false religion has, has collapsed. And at the same time, it was also affected. It also affected all the trade on the earth, all the, the, the economy of the earth. And all of this has also come to nothing, which is all linked to Babylon. And there's no question about that. Verse 19, they threw dust on their heads and cried out weeping and wailing and saying, alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. Now watch verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you, apost- you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sounds of harpers, musicians, flutes, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of a bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, And by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all who were slain on the earth. So as you can see, the earth has had like a final judgment that's taken place through this final seventh bow. And now what's happened is John is busy having a look and seeing how all those judgments have played out on the earth. What's actually taken place? There's been a, a collapse of the religious system. And now everything is pointing towards the false prophet, Satan, and and the Antichrist. There's been an economic collapse as well. And what was great on the earth, rising up against the church, rising up against God, that has also now been completely collapsed. And all that's left is an army, basically, that is now heading towards towards Israel to, to bring the final battle that's about to take place on the earth. So everything is shifting now. And in Revelation 19, we're about to see that shift and how heaven is about to celebrate the end of this judgment. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. I know it's a lot. Verse number one. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and splendor and power belong The Lord our God. So now we're seeing what happens at the end of this judgment. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders. And the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. And by the way, hallelujah means praise the Lord. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you His servants and those who fear Him both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. This is the church. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then He said to me, Write, blessed are those. Who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He said to me, these are the true sayings of God. The fine linen that is worn by the saints is the righteous acts of His saints. That's you and I. And I want you to know that you have been given salvation as a gift. And all you have to do is believe. But let me tell you something. The way that you live out your salvation will determine... The linen that you will wear, the crowns that you will be given, and the way that you will spend eternity. Yes, salvation is a free gift that comes to those who believe and serve the Lord, but the way that you serve Him will affect your eternity and how you live it, not whether you will be there or not, you will be with the Lord. That's not the question, but how you will live it will be affected by what you do with your salvation. Let me tell you something. Don't be shocked when you get to heaven because you may see things that will surprise you. Some of those that look as though they are the least may be the first. Some of those who you think have done nothing for the kingdom may have done the most. Remember, what you do only counts before Him, not in front of man. The Bible even tells us that we shouldn't let our one arm know what our other arm is doing. In other words, don't pat yourself too much on the back or on your hand congratulating yourself for something that you've done for the Lord that is good. Because everything that you do for Him is by grace. Your salvation is by grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. At this moment, you can imagine with all that John has seen, he's overwhelmed And in verse number 10 says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. So he fell down and began to worship the angel. But he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit that testifies of Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who was and is and is to come. The Holy Spirit will tell you things that are happening now and things that are going to happen. The spirit of prophecy is given by Jesus himself. He is is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and it's his spirit. So everything that John has seen and this overwhelming picture of all this stuff is nothing that belongs to the angel. It all belongs to the Messiah. It all belongs to Jesus. Are you with me? Amen. And now we're about to see a real major shift in the heavens. In verse number 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Not were a flame, were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had the name written, which no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, White and clean, followed him on white horses. That sounds like saints to me and heavenly hosts. Verse 15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. And he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Now, watch this, verse 16. Everybody, watch this now because <laughs> this is exciting. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. <laughs> Amen. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and come and gather together. For the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all peoples, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. So now that those armies are gathered together in Armageddon, the Lord has returned and has come now to face these armies. And he's going to speak. And then, then verse number 20, then the beast was captured. The beast is the Antichrist. And with him, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So we see here that the first thing that plays out is the false prophet and the antichrist are captured and thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, which means that is their end. There is no more of them. They will be tortured there forever and ever and ever. That's what will happen to them. That's their destiny for deceiving the nations for deceiving the people of God. Now watch this. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeds from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. The great battle takes place in an instant. And all Jesus does is open his mouth. Because remember, out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. You know, the Bible teaches us that we should speak his word because it's powerful. But in that moment where all the veils have been lifted, and the king of kings is standing on the earth, and everybody knows who he is, and he speaks a word, let me tell you, that word has so much power that it literally annihilates that army, just like that. And the Bible tells us that the birds of the air come and feed on the flesh. We know that 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 army is vast, hundreds of thousands, and they all just get wiped out. Just like that. And now the earth is about to change and move in a whole new direction. But you're going to have to wait for next week to hear about that. (laughs) What is really important is that you understand that the marriage supper of the lamb will take place. We believe that it possibly begins in heaven and continues on the earth, the fact is is that the Lord will, will celebrate with us in our fine linen that we will receive from Him. And we will be on the earth and you'll see how it plays out next week as He sets up everything on the earth. Don't be afraid because you have nothing to fear. The question is, is your name written in the book of life. Amen. Amen. That's all that matters. Serve him, love him, he loves you. Amen. And over the last few weeks, I've been overemphasizing this at the end of every session. This week, I'm excited because now we see the return of the Lord. Just so you know, it's at this point where it basically says, you know, that where he suggests there again that you know, that no one knows the hour. It's at this point now when he returns that the people that believe in post-tribulation, they believe that this is where when he comes back, the the saints will meet him in the air and then come back down. That's what they believe. I'm not going to get into that, but that's the other belief, okay? And they have their, 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 their scriptures to support that. That's fine, could be either. It doesn't matter. I know that I'll be with him, whether pre or post. I believe pre. Those of you who believe post, you're staying till the end. That's okay. But the fact is, guys, is Jesus is coming back. He's coming back on a horse, on a white horse, and he will, he will wipe out everything. You know, I said to the, the, the first group, when you read this and you hear it, you think about the harshness of it. And I really believe that we're supposed to see it that way. Because that's what it is. It's harsh. It's severe. It's judgment that is awful. And God has waited and waited and given the earth time to repent to get to this point of final judgment that has to come. Why? So that the Lord Jesus Christ can be with His church so that God can be restored to His people and He can live with us the way He created us to be right from the very beginning. God's not harsh, he's waiting, he's giving time, he's giving opportunity. He's got a church, a bride that stands and cries out in the wilderness that is preparing the way of the Lord. We are, we are standing and, and, we, and we're praying for our loved ones and our neighbors and the people around us. Why? Because we believe that he's coming again and he's, he's doing everything he can to get us ready. He's given us signs and, and things to prepare us, to pre- prepare us for what's coming. He's warned us about what's going to happen, not to scare us, but to say, wake up! because I'm coming again because I love you not because I want to judge you I'm coming again because I love you because I'm going to clothe you in fine linen I'm going to put crowns on your head and you will rule with me the way I created you from the very beginning that was his plan and purpose for us Amen so I know it's hard it's supposed to be hard it's supposed to motivate us Inspire us. The greatest blessing from the book of Revelation is what it should do is put you on fire for God. Whatever else comes, I'll take, but that's enough. That's enough to walk with Him, to love Him, to serve Him, not out of fear, but out of anticipation and excitement. That's why the angels are celebrating, because it's finally God. Finally, judgment has come. Finally, you have judged what is unclean and unpure, just the way you always have, Lord. And now you will come for your people. And now we will spend eternity with him. Oh, I can't wait for next week. Whatever you do, don't miss next week. These last few weeks have been a little hard, I know. A lot of information, a lot of reading. It's not what I enjoy doing. But next week, we'll dive into the final part of this and close it off in what I believe will be a celebration. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we honor you and love you. Your word is true. Your word is true. We know it, Lord. We feel it. We know. We can tell that something is changing. We know the time is short. We don't know the exact time, but we know it's short, Lord. And Lord, the early church was so different to us because they couldn't wait for your coming. We stand and say, Lord, don't come yet. What's wrong with us? Do we not know how much you love us? Do we not realize your goodness, your mercy, and what you have prepared for those who love you? Does your word not declare it? I pray, Father, that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear what it is that you're saying. I know, Father, that you are full of mercy. I know that you are full of love and compassion and have a desire for the nations to turn to you and Lord, I pray that you will put a burning fire in our hearts for every lost person that we know as we move towards the last phase of this, the book of Revelation, your revelation, Jesus, a revelation of you, King of kings, Lord of lords. Now I pray, Father, that you will bless every person as they leave today, that you will strengthen and encourage them. Father, give a special blessing to all the dads today. And let us as fathers never forget the privilege we have to raise children and to have an idea of how your heart is towards those whom you love. I give you all of the glory. I give you all of the praise. And I give you all of the worship. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen, God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, fathers and mothers and everybody else. And we will see you next week, amen.